at 1500 and 200 UTC. Friends, we can all listen to the sunny side of sports. Great show, bro. This is Sunny Side of Sports. Right here on The Voice of America. Voice of America. Sporty greetings to all of our Voice of America listeners. This is VOA's Muckbill Yabro. Sonny Young is taking a break this week and I'm filling in for him here in Washington. Welcome to the December 21st edition of the Sunny Side of Sports. This year's FIFA World Cup in Qatar was scheduled during November and December, the middle of the competitive season for major football leagues around the world. Since the tournament ended on Sunday with Argentina's dramatic 4-2 win over France in penalties, football fans have been waiting for their favorite teams to get back on the pitch. The top European leagues kick off next week. My colleague Omari Kaseko joined me to help break down Africa's presence in the World Cup and what to expect in Europe in the coming days. On the show today, we have Omari Kaseko, co-worker of ours here at VOA, just a man of many talents, you know, a sports <laughs> aficionado. Um, so we definitely uh, are interested in breaking down your thoughts on um, Africa's presence in the World Cup, uh, from the African teams to the African coaches and the African players of uh, African descent. Omari. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um I think it was a very successful World Cup for uh, from African perspective. Uh, I think it was a very successful World Cup for African teams also. Um, I think for the first time we have seen African teams who are passionate, you know, uh, played very, very well. And um, not only Morocco, you know, I'm going to give you an example of Ghana. You know, if you see the patterns of play, you know, mm -hmm. they've played one of the amazing, amazing soccer that we've seen over the years. So you can see developments. You can see that there's progress on these teams. And, um, and the, you know, the winner of all these are coaches. I'm saying this because uh, for a long time, African coaches haven't been trusted uh, to go on bigger stage and do amazing stuff. You know, but we we have talents. Yeah. You know, there's no way we can uh, send all these good players to Europe, and then suddenly we we don't have coaches. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. So we haven't been given chances. Uh, but the fact that all African teams had African coaches for the first time, uh, and they went there and they did amazing stuff. Morocco, Ghana, you know, um, and even Senegal. You know, a lot of people had a lot of hope with Senegal. You know, and. Uh, uh, we don't know. I mean, in soccer, you you will never know. But uh, if Sadio Mane was there, right, uh, we would have been talking different stuff. Yeah. No, absolutely. I I would definitely agree with you in that. Um, for us, a lot of times, um, African um coaches, they've had to have a different level of caliber. Look, for instance, right, if we look at Ghana and Senegal, instances where you have former players right. that played on elite levels, Correct. and in order for them, and, and uh, Cameroon as well, right, Correct. where you have uh, Rigobert Song, you have players that had to have played at the highest level of this game, whether it's club level or country level, in order for them to get a shot. And unfortunately, it's the bar is not set that high for European coaches. You might have a European coach who really hasn't performed well on any level, but has just been around for quite some time. And that name or just the connection to Europe has been able to make us want to then bring them here to Africa and then have them um, 
coach these players as if, you know, to me, the whole reason, even before the World Cup, I, I was telling Sonny uh, on one of our episodes of, uh, of On Goal that I truly believe that these coaches would be more successful because they have more connection to the players. What do you, what do you think about that? I think you're making a good, good point. Um, to add to that, um, I think it's, uh, it's really, really important because uh, a lot of coaches in Europe uh, when African players go to Europe to play, they don't really understand the environment in Africa where these people grow up, how they think, you know, and and, um, and what affects them, you know. So having someone like Rigobert Song who grew up in Africa, right. he has a better chance of understanding what Mohamed Kodos, you know, <laughs> is thinking mm-hmm. and uh, how to coach him compared to someone... Uh, Gareth Southgate from from England right. because you know we are talking about two different worlds here, you know, and these coaches understand what African players need. Now you have a scenario where you have Afri- a lot of African players now play in Europe, so some of them they went to Europe when they are very very young, mm-hmm. some of them you know they were born in Europe, so of course they understand that. But you 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 also have a lot of players who actually grew up in Africa. They went to Europe um, at a later stage of their career. You know, or at the mid stage of their career, you know, when they are at 18, 20. So I think it's really, really important to start trusting African coaches. I think they understand the environment of Africa, what African people need, and the way Africans uh, see soccer. How do they see soccer? It's totally different from the way, you know, European countries see soccer. Mm-hmm. You know, so this is, a, this is a good point. Another thing would be, uh, what do you think um, Africa needs to do in order to perform uh, better for the next World Cup uh, here in uh, North America? First of all, we are performing better. Mm-hmm. You know, we have seen progress. We are performing better. African Cup of Nations, I don't know if you saw African Cup of Nations, some of the games were one of the best games I've right. seen in soccer mm-hmm. in a long time. We are performing better. What we need, I think, is to believe in ourselves more. Because, you know, uh, as much as uh, we will say we are performing better, soccer is all about beliefs, mm-hmm. confidence, trusting yourself that I can do this thing in bigger stage. Mm-hmm. We've seen what Mbappe is doing. It's all confidence, you know. And um, when you don't have confidence in soccer, anything can happen. I mean, you've played and you know. Absolutely. When you don't have confidence, it doesn't matter how good you are. It's a different game. It's a different game, you know. But... Uh, now we have players who have confidence. You know, we have players surely who can be in top five of Ballon d'Ors now. We have Mo Salah, we have Sadio Mane. These are top, top players in Europe. Right. So imagine uh, kids in Africa looking at them and saying, actually, I can do that. Yeah. So the beliefs is starting to grow. And um, you, you can see in Morocco the way they play. They have belief. I'm playing, uh, uh, Ziek is playing with these players. Right. I'm playing with these people. So what's the difference? I'm it just, wear- I'm just well, wearing a, yes. a jersey of my country on Morocco, it. Yeah. Right. So you see, the more we believe in ourselves, um, we're going to go far. And then, uh, you know, organization also. We need to organize ourselves. We need to get the football association of these countries to be more involved. And uh, one of the things that... Um, is really, really um, block our development in, in the continent is sometimes we have people running uh, these football associations uh, who don't understand, uh, you know, the deep, deep understanding of soccer and how soccer works, actually. Mm-hmm. So we need that. 
Right. We need people who actually understand soccer. Mm-hmm. And we are starting to have that. Just, just seeing Samuel at all going back and become, you know, the uh, head of uh, the football association. Mm-hmm. You feel like there is hope. This is a guy who have made it all, you know, they have done everything. Right. This is a guy who started playing in uh, in Cameroon. He went to Europe. He played with Messi. He played with Ronaldinho. You know, right. he understands this. Stuff. Right. Yeah. So we need just confidence and belief. No, no, absolutely. I, I think uh, you're... You literally nailed it when you said that we need the right people in positions to to to, to move the game forward on the continent with the infrastructure and everything. Um, if you would have to point out a couple of players, you know, I know you mentioned Ziyech, who definitely was a, a breakout player. Uh, you know, but we expected him to perform well. Who were some breakout African stars um, that you saw in this tournament? So. You wouldn't say breakout stars, mainly mm-hmm. from this continent. A lot of these guys we have known, right. people who understand, of course, soccer and they, f- they follow, mm-hmm. they understand, and they, you know, they've been following these players for a long time. We understand that uh, a lot of players playing, uh, we're players that we know, mm-hmm. you know. Now, uh, some of these players uh, are not well known by a lot of fans. Um, look at player like Azedino Nahi. Yes. Yes. He plays for Angers, huh? Yes, mm. he plays for Angers. Mm-hmm. This is a guy who played in League One, right? Yeah. Uh, it looks like he came from nowhere, right? Yeah. But one of the best, best uh, midfielder right now in the world. Mm-hmm. And you can see the way he played for Morocco, right? Right. And um, you have this Sofiane Amrabat, right? He's wow. not as uh, young as you think, but look at how he plays. Right. This is a guy who you can put in any team right now mm-hmm. to be trusted. Yeah. In big, big. Big moment, the, the, the biggest big moments, yeah, yes, yes. yeah. So the combination of that uh, midfielder of Morocco, you know, these are players who I think we can say, wow, these people, you know, came from nowhere. We didn't know these people that much. Yeah. Even if uh, some of us have seen them play before, but we really didn't think they're gonna play that well in the bigger stage. That's a great point, and yeah. and, and also because uh, um, League One, as much as it is a top league, yeah. um, especially on a team like Angers, because Buffal also plays for that Correct. team as well. But it's like they don't really get like a lot of airtime unless you're a follower of that team. You won't naturally see them because people when they watch League One, they only watch P- PSG, PSG playing here and there. And right, you know, Messi brought a lot of people into that league. So. Right, but a lot of uh, people they don't really watch. Uh, they they don't have viewers. The way you know Premier League, EPL, you know, right? You know Spanish La Liga is right now. Perfect. But uh, what did you think of Mohamed Kudus? I mean, one of the man, uh, best attacker, I, right? I, 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 I literally, <laughs> I was talking about Mohamed Kudus coming yeah. into the tournament. I said that he is my player to watch, yeah. not because I didn't know what he could do, because he yeah. plays at Ajax and yeah. he's showing us uh, what he can do on the club level. Yeah. But there's always that. Um, can he do it on that national level? Somebody as great as Messi yes. has had trouble on the national level for some time now. Um, so I, I was interested to see how his um, cohesion would be with the national side. Yes. And man, really, I, I loved every time that kid touched the ball. He was the spark to the offense, you know, similar to how Dembele was playing for France up until the final. You know, he was the one who was kind of orchestrating and starting the the flow of the offense a lot of the times. I really liked him. To me, he was my favorite player at the tournament um, because... Ghana was a team that really a lot of people did not have high expectations for, and they played well. They they had some unfortunate circumstances, but when they were really clicking, 
they were playing really well. You could see their patterns of play. You could see how they build from the back. Mm-hmm. You could see this is a very well organized team. Right. You know, and um, you know that this team is very well coached. Yeah. So one of the things that I really really like about about uh, you know um, seeing African teams play is that. Yeah. And don't forget to. Um, uh, you talked about earlier. You talked about uh, you know what you saw on this continent yeah. in terms of from African perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, we actually um, we were able to defeat Brazil. Oh my goodness! For the first time. Yeah, and, uh, you know, it brought a lot of confidence for mm-hmm. us. Like, okay, we can do this. Yeah, you know. Fran- uh, Tunisia also uh, beat uh, France as well. France. So it was like, and yeah. then, por- you know, like Portugal was, you know, like there's so many yeah. Morocco beat Portugal, Spain. Yeah. It was all the wins, basically, just to me, what it did was it instilled that confidence. Look, we can play because even sometimes, unfortunately, we as human beings have implicit bias. You can listen to some of the commentators. When they're watching the games, they would automatically think because a team is from Europe or from South America that this team is just light years ahead of the other oppositions. And they would, you know, speak about it from a historical term. The thing that they fail to realize, I think, is that truly when you look at that Moroccan side, all of the, let's say the starters, all almost all of the starters play for top teams like or top leagues at least, you know. So they're playing at the top level of club football. So you can't really say that this is a Morocco team that has guys playing in the local leagues. So for them to say that it's because, you know, that implicit bias that they just have naturally in their minds thinking that an African team who hasn't been able to make it so far cannot necessarily compete against a European powerhouse. But it it showed them differently as the tournament kept progressing. You kept seeing more and more commentators really dig deep, do more research really figure out who these players are, where they came from. And I think it it really opened their eyes up to, hey, look, there's a lot of African players that are playing on the big stage already before the tournament. And just uh, keep in mind, uh, we are living in a world that has so much information Mm -hmm. right now. So these leagues uh, will keep developing, even African leagues. Right. Because uh, right now, um, if you are sitting in uh, DR Congo, Mm -hmm. you have access uh, to see what drills Real Madrid is doing, mm-hmm. you know, people have access. Right, to these days. you know, you can see their training, you can see what they do, you can follow their games, and uh, now uh, also a lot of African teams are starting to have, you know, video analysis, you know, um, analyzing games. So people have an understanding of what is happening. I personally just love the Cinderella story of Morocco because what I think it did is it instilled that level of confidence um, to African players that might have dual citizenships, that have the ability to play for African teams, to maybe to rethink and say, look, maybe I go down to Africa and play there so I can help assist the game you know i think all these questions now are there we just had uh benzema just retired from french uh from the french national side i mean he is older so i'm not thinking he's gonna go pick up and play for algeria but (laughs) but i just think i just think you know with this world cup anything is possible so I'm, i'm really interested to see what the next world cup holds and just club side uh just moving and just showing these african talents man there there really are some of the most amazing players and it's amazing to see that they are being put in the forefront now and this is something um you you you're making a very very good point this is something we were talking recently with one of my friend we said um we're exporting players 
you know, from Africa. Mm -hmm. For years, we've been exporting players. Yeah. But what we are not getting is um, getting back those players, actually, to do something um, in Africa. Right. So we are uh, very excited with this move that uh, Samuel Eto'o did, mm -hmm. you know, to come back and do something. Because I can imagine if all these players go to Europe, they can come back and do amazing stuff when they retire. You yeah. Know, uh, either helping opening academies, mm -hmm. you know, different stuff in Africa. Yeah, infrastructure. So things can keep moving and we can keep doing it. But, you know, the future of Africa is not to keep on exporting players to Europe. No. I think the future is to build yeah. our leagues so people in, around the world can watch and say, okay, the African I'm going to tune it to one of the best African leagues somewhere. Yeah, you that's know, the if goal. If it's in Nigeria, mm -hmm. uh, if it's in Ghana, or if it's Champions League, yeah. which doesn't get as much uh, viewership as we would like. Right. But it's super exciting in Africa. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Kipi Mazembe is playing another team, Simba Sports Club from Tanzania. You'd see a lot of people interested. Right. You no, know, these stadiums in Africa, mm -hmm. ninety thousand people got to watch this. Yeah, yeah. So no. there's opportunities, you know. Yeah, I th I think <laughs> Africa now is on the forefront of not only sports, tech, everything moving yeah. forward. I feel like it is. This is the age. This is going to be the golden age for for Africa. So it's it's amazing to see it in real time. Before we go, I want yes. to talk about one player specific. Yes. Um, which I really really like to see him playing. His name is Mabil. Mm -hmm. Mabil is um uh, Australian player. Mm -hmm. right now this is a guy, 27 years old. He plays for Cardiff in La Liga. Mm -hmm. Um, this is a guy who was actually born in refugee camp in Kakuma. Wow. Yeah originally from South Sudan, yeah. you know, a fantastic player, yeah. a, a guy who I've seen playing a few times, you know, mm -hmm. but just to see someone who came from the refugee camp, yeah. you know, was born there, yeah. went to Australia, you know, became a citizen, yeah. now he plays for a uh, big league, among the biggest, biggest league in the world, Spanish La Liga, right. in Cadiz, you know, he played a few games for Australia, yeah. so it's it's a guy really who deserves a lot of credit. What a storyline, yeah. you know, yes. <laughs> no, no, that's a <laughs> amazing man yes. but i'm sure there are so many more um individuals that you know come from difficult beginnings that want that opportunity Sorry. if given to them and i feel like you know with the development on the continent all these opportunities are going to arise so definitely like i said this has been an enjoyable conversation omari we will definitely have you on again uh thank you so much thank you thank you for having me you're listening to the sunny side of sports on voa i'm muck bill yabaro you can catch all the news and all your favorite VOA programs on VOAAfrica.com. An African football analyst says the five African teams in the World Cup this year performed very well. Cameroon, Ghana, Morocco, Tunisia, and Senegal were there and helped make history in this World Cup because it was the first time each African team won a match in the group stage. Morocco and Senegal advanced to the round of 16, and Morocco capped it off for Africa by becoming the first team to make it all the way to the semifinals. Fisio Diaro, the chief football writer at www.aclsports.com, spoke to Iron Mike Mbonye about the five African teams that made it to the World Cup. I think it was a successful outing for the African teams. Africa presented five nations. And we had two advancing from the second and one getting to the semi-final for the first time in history of World Cup football. I do think there is a successful outing for the Africans. Yes, one or two of them might have done better or should have done better. 
But regardless, this is the first World Cup tournament during which all the five African teams recorded at least a win each. Look at Tunisia, for instance, in their own group, they emerged with four points and another day in another tournament that could have qualified them for the next round. So with Morocco's run to the semi-final, Senegal, even without their key stars, Sadio Mane and Chiku Kuyate, getting to the second round of the competition, I, I think that it was a successful tournament by African standards. The Atlas Lions of Morocco made history by being the first African team to qualify for the semi-final of the World Cup. What's the secret behind their success? I believe the achievements of the Moroccans um, is as a result of an aggregation of many factors. Some of them that were evident for us here in Qatar for the World Cup um, may not be the only reasons. Yes, they've invested heavily in infrastructure, in club academies back home in Morocco. They've continually churned out talents and they've been winning competitions here and there with a couple of players that won the African Nation Championships in 2018, also forming the fulcrum of this side. But by and large, with what we saw in Qatar, I think their togetherness was a major factor. Every member of that 26-man squad of the Moroccans was ready to fight for the team. No, but none of them felt they were playing for the big sides of Europe and they are bigger than the ones playing back home in Morocco. It's a very important trait that any football team can aspire to have. And aside that, the technical know-how of the technical crew led by Walid Regragui and his assistants, um, Rachid Bemamoud and Gary Bamzin, must also be single-handedly praised for their impact in the competition. The the top stars in the team are Chimi Akrav, Akim Ziyech, Yusuf and Nesri, Sofiane Amrabat, they all play their part. But with everything coming out from the bench and onto the pitch, you cannot wish away what the coaching crew did. These are some of the factors that really propelled the Moroccans to great heights. Fisayo, from your observations at the World Cup in Qatar, do you think an African team can equal or surpass Morocco's record at the World Cup? The game of soccer across the globe keeps developing year in, year out. And um, I think the so-called minnows are even improving their acts and their, their crafts. So it is not debatable that the feat achieved by Morocco can be bettered by an African team in years to come. Maybe not in the next World Cup, but why not? I'm sure what Morocco achieved in Qatar 2022 will serve as a motivational ground for other African countries, that if the Moroccans can do it, we can also do it. With the right level of motivation, with the right amount of investment in manpower and infrastructure, you'll be able to get talents that can rub uh, their the shoulders against the biggest ones in this world. So it's, it's undoubted. Morocco were the first African team to reach the round of 16 in the 80s. But uh, 30 years later, we are, we've not seen teams winning in, in quarterfinals, getting to the second round. Now Morocco again being the first to get to the semifinals. So definitely an African team will still better what Morocco will do. How long it will take is what may, you might be unable to, to 
predict, but it will definitely happen in years to come. That was football analyst Fisayo Diaro speaking with Iron Mike Mbonye on the phone from Doha, Qatar, where he covered the World Cup. A throng of millions of happy fans in Centro Buenos Aires welcomed home Argentinian triumphant leader Lionel Messi. But as Reuters reports, Sarah Charlton reports that the crowds forced the team's parade to be cut short. Later in the night, riot police and fans clashed. Riot police descended on Buenos Aires on Tuesday night after the parade to celebrate Argentina winning the Soccer World Cup brought the city to a standstill. Soccer fans and police clashed into the night as video showed a group breaking into a bank and making off with some of its contents. Local media said police moved in to remove people from the top of the Obelisco Monument in Republic Square. Earlier, huge crowds flooded the capital to capture a glimpse of the team who ended Argentina's 36-year wait to win the World Cup. The capital had been in party mode since the dramatic victory over France in Sunday's final in Qatar. Major roads were shut as millions congregated for an open-top bus parade. Lionel Messi and his teammates had been planning on reaching the capital's central monument, but the road became blocked by the mass of fans. Some even tried to jump onto the team's bus as it passed under a bridge. The eight-hour journey was cut short and the players whisked into helicopters to complete the celebrations. Messi cemented his reputation as one of the world's greatest ever soccer players with the win. Argentina beat France 4-2 on penalties after a three-all draw after extra time. Fans said many hadn't left the streets since the party began on Sunday. Matias Gomez said it's incredible and the best thing that can happen to you in life. That was Sarah Charlton with Reuters. The French Football Federation has condemned the online racist abuses towards players and pledged to take action. The abuse came after Le Bleu lost to Argentina in Qatar. British broadcaster BBC reported on Monday that the abuse targeted France forward Kingsley Coleman and midfielder Orlean Chiomeni after missing their penalties in the final. Reuters News reports the French Federation tweeted that following the World Cup final, several players of the French national team were subjected to unacceptable racist and hateful comments on social networks. The Federation says it will file a complaint against the authors of the abuse. Coleman's club Bayern Munich also posted a message condemning the racist comments made towards him. Leaving the football pitch, Kenyan marathoner Diana Kipyoke has been banned for six years for doping and tampering. The Athletics Integrity Unit says Kipyoke's urine sample after winning in Boston in October 2021 had traces of triamcinoline astenide, an anti-inflammatory banned at races when an athlete does not have permission to use it as a medication. The AIU says Kipyoke provided false misleading information in trying to explain it, including fake documentation, which she alleged came from a hospital. The AIU also gave a five-year ban to Kenyan runner Purity Rionaripo, the winner of the 2017 Paris Marathon. She tested positive in May for the banned diuretic furosemide, and the AIU indicated she had altered her medical records. The Boston Athletic Association announced that Kipyoke's results in the 2021 Boston Marathon has been disqualified and said Edna Kiplagat of Kenya has been elevated to the winner. She also won 
in 2017. And that's a wrap for the December 21st edition of the show. Thank you for tuning in. I am Muck Bill Yabaro, filling in for Sonny Young in Washington, and that is the sunny side of sports. host of Music Time in Africa. Join me every Saturday and Sunday for an hour of awesome African music. Wake up, dance this music. Like to stay on top of new music trends? Breakout artists? New releases? Maybe you just love the classic styles and artists of the past. Or simply the sound and feel of a good beat. Whatever your pleasure, you can get it every week right here on Music Time in Africa. So join me on your local FM station, Saturdays and Sundays at 1500 and 2000 UTC. Hello, I'm Carol Castiel, host of Press Conference USA. VOA's Newsmaker Interview Program. Join us each Saturday and Sunday when we talk with authors, analysts, and policymakers who provide fresh insight on topics ranging from U.S. politics and foreign policy to science, culture, and global health. You can listen to Press Conference USA on the radio or online at voanews.com slash PCUSA. While you're visiting our website, be sure to subscribe to our podcast, We'd also love to hear from you. Just send an email to PCUSA at VOANews.com or connect with us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Carol Castiel VOA or on Twitter at Carol Castiel VOA. That's Press Conference USA every Saturday and Sunday on The Voice 